This is the Music Halls of Fame podcast. This week we honor the year 1996 along with a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame class of 1996. We look at the case for putting Cool in the Gang into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Plus our Spotlight Hall of Fame is the Aria Hall of Fame in Melbourne, Australia. Before we get going with the podcast, like everyone tells you, please like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell so you'll know when these podcast episodes drop, which is usually every Thursday. Now, on to this week's episode. The year was 1996. In music, two teenagers killed their parents and younger brother and then tried to blame the song Israel's Son by Silverchair for influencing them to kill their relatives. The jury didn't buy that one. Jimmy Buffett's plane was accidentally fired upon by Jamaican authorities after being mistaken for a drug trafficking plane. The La Fenice Opera House in Venice, Italy burned down. Lisa Marie Presley and Michael Jackson divorced. The first Tibetan Freedom concert was held. MC Hammer filed for bankruptcy. Dave Kahan of Depeche Mode overdosed on speed and cocaine, which is never a good combination, and was pronounced clinically dead for two minutes before being revived. For his efforts of being revived, he was then arrested and ordered to spend nine months in rehab. Walmart refused to sell Sheryl Crow's new album because Sheryl had a lyric about kids killing each other with guns that they bought at Walmart stores, proving yet again that cancel culture is absolutely nothing new. David Bowie became the first major label artist to sell a digital single when he released his song Telling Lies. David was always years ahead of his time. And Alice in Chains played their last concert with lead singer Lane Staley. Staley passed away two years later from a drug overdose. The MTV2 video music channel launched, as did MTV India. And the VH1 concert TV series Storytellers premiered, as did their TV show Pop-Up Video. Bands that formed in 1996 included Three Doors Down, 98 Degrees, The Calling, Alien Ant Farm, D12, The Dropkick Murphys, Drowning Pool, Sharon Jones, Linkin Park, Low Fidelity All-Stars, Queens of the Stone Age, Skillet, Some 41, and Switchfoot. Bands that either broke up before, of course, their inevitable reunions or announced their hiatus included The Stone Roses, The House of Pain, Take That, Four Non-Blondes, The Amps, Belly, Bizarre Inc., Carnivore, Crowded House, Damn Yankees, Delight, Divinals, Extreme, Fleetwood Mac, Fine Young Cannibals, Kicks, Metal Church, Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes, Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark, The Outlaws, The Pogues, Susie and the Banshees, Skid Row, Spongehead, Sublime, Tesla, Ultravox, The Velvet Underground, and Rex and Effects. Bands that reformed included the classic lineup of Kiss, The Monkees, New Edition, Poison, Devo, Supertramp, and the Patti Smith Band. 
Artists who were born in 1996 include singers and actresses Florence Pugh, Zendaya, Haley Steinfeld, and Abigail Breslin. DJ and producer Martin Garrix, rappers 6ix9ine, Lil Peep, Lil Xan, and Playboy Cardi. Singers Lord, Alicia Cara, Summer Walker, Louis Capaldi, Jack Galinsky, Luke Hemmings, Austin Mahone, Callum Hood of Five Seconds of Summer, Fifth Harmony members Normani Corday and Lauren Jurigi, Kevin Abstract of Brockhampton, and Jenny Kim of Blackpink. Bradley Knoll of Sublime passed away from a heroin overdose. Tupac was gunned down in a drive-by shooting in Las Vegas. Other artists who passed away in 1996 included composer Irving Cesar, singer Farron Young, musician Bill Monroe, entertainers Gene Kelly, Audrey Meadows, and Minnie Pearl, jazz great Ella Fitzgerald, singer Tiny Tim, jazz musician Eddie Harris, Turkish singer Ziki Murin, Brazilian singer Renato Russo, Chaz Chandler of The Animals, Rob Collins of The Charlatans, Mel Taylor of The Ventures, Danish composer Von Holmbo, German musician Rio Reiser, composer David Tudor, musician Johnny Guitar Watson, bassist Bernard Edwards of Chic, musician Jeffrey Lee Pierce, Mexican singer Lola Beltran, Polish composer Mezislaw Weinberg, musician Jerry Mulligan, composer Jonathan Larson, Edom Ephraim and Dennis Fuller of the duo The London Boys, who passed away both in a car accident, and musician Les Baxter. Alanis Morissette's Jacket Little Pill was a best-selling album of 1996, followed by Celine Dion's Falling Into You, The Fuji's Score, No Doubt's Tragic Kingdom, Mariah Carey's Daydream, Tupac's All Eyes on Me, Metallica's Load, Tony Braxton's Secrets, Shania Twain's Is the Woman in Me, and Oasis's What's the Story, Morning Glory. Los Del Rio had the best-selling single of the year with the Bayside Boys' remix of their song Macarena. Macarena also was the biggest-selling song of the 1990s. Mariah Carey and Boys to Men's song One Sweet Day spent 16 consecutive weeks at number one, breaking the record for the longest time spent at number one on the singles chart up to that point. They would keep that record for almost 20 years. Other bestsellers from the year included Celine Dion's Because You Loved Me, The Tony Rich Project's Nobody Knows, Mariah Carey's Always Be My Baby, Tracy Chapman's Give Me One Reason, Bone Thugs and Harmony's The Crossroads, Donna Lewis's I Love You Always Forever, Tony Braxton's You're Making Me High, and Keith Sweat's Twisted. In country music, it was the year of Tim McGraw and Faith Hill, who got married late in the year. Big albums for the year included Leanne Rimes's Blue, George Strait's Blue Clear Sky, Brooks and Dunn's Borderline, Alan Jackson's Everything I Love, Reba McIntyre's What If It's You, Deanna Carter's Did I Shave My Legs for This, Clint Black's Greatest Hits, Winona's Revelations, and comedian Jeff Foxworthy's music album, Crank It Up, the music album. As far as country singles went, Brian White had big hits, So Much for Pretending, and Rebecca Lynn and George Strait had Blue Clear Sky and Carried Away. In 
Other big hits included Garth Brooks's The Beaches of Cheyenne, Trisha Yearwood's Believe Me Baby I Lied, Joe Diffie's Bigger Than the Beatles, Ricochet's Daddy's Money, and Rhett Atkins' Don't Get Me Started. In Hard Rock, Sammy Hagar left Van Halen, then David Lee Roth rejoined Van Halen, then David Lee Roth was let go from Van Halen, then Gary Sharon from Extreme replaced David Lee Roth and Van Halen. Yep, it was that kind of a year. The Ramones played their last show as a group. Slash announced that he was leaving Guns N' Roses via fax. What's a fax? Well, it's, uh, you know what, kids, just, just Google it. Trust me, just Google what a fax is. In hip-hop, Tupac's album All Eyes on Me became the first double album to be released in hip-hop. He also released the Don Caluminati, The Seven Day Theory. The iconic freestyle track, June 27th, was recorded by DJ Screw and the Screwed Up Click. Jay-Z released his debut album, Reasonable Doubt. Other big albums included LL Cool J's Mr. Smith, Busta Rhymes's The Coming, Snoop Dogg's The Dog Father, Nas's It Was Written, and The Fugees' The Score. Singles-wise, Tupac had the two biggest songs of the year, California Love and How Do You Want It with Casey and JoJo. Everyone's favorite, pouring one out for my homie song, The Crossroads by Bone thugs and harmony was third, followed by LL Cool J's Loungin', Coolio with one, two, three, four, something new, Busta Rhymes' Woo-Ha, Got You All in Check, LL's Doing It, Outcast Elevators, Criss Cross's Tonight's the Night, and Junior Mafia and Biggie's Get Money. In dance music, Steve Aoki started Dim Mac Records. Stalker Ricardo Lopez tried to kill Bjork with a sulfuric acid letter bomb that he put inside a hollowed-out book. He thankfully did not succeed. Hip-hop and R&B artists ruled the crossover dance charts with songs by Blackstreet, Faith Evans, R. Kelly, and Ronald Isley, Busta Rhymes, Jay-Z, and Foxy Brown, Tupac, Tony Braxton, and Nas, all hitting number one on the dance charts. As far as the more legit, quote-unquote, EDM artists went, Christine W., Deborah Cox, and the Bucketheads were all big that year. The iconic album Northern Exposure from Sasha and John Didgweed was released in 1996. Also, the Prodigy's classic album The Fat of the Land came out in America in 1996. Faithless's classic Insomnia was released in 1995 but became a big hit in 1996. Underworld released the song Born Slippy. Todd Terry's remix of Everything But The Girls' song, Missing You, was also released in 95 and became huge in 96, becoming a huge club and radio hit. And Dream Trance also became big, led by Robert Miles and his song, Children. In Latin music, the big artists were Selena, Enrique Iglesias, The Gypsy Kings, Los Del Rio, Gloria Estefan, Luis Miguel, La Mafia, Christian Castro, Marco Antonio Solis, and Pete Astudio. Musicals and revivals of musicals included Rent, Big the Musical, Heathcliff the Musical, Forbidden Broadway Strikes Back, Zombie Prom, and Forbidden Hollywood. 
musical films included Everybody Says I Love You, Muppet Treasure Island, Evita, and Joe's Apartment, along with animated musical films All Dogs Go to Heaven 2, Aladdin and the King of Thieves, and The Hunchback of Notre Dame. In award ceremonies for the music of 1996 at the Grammy Awards, Celine Dion won Album of the Year for Falling Into You, Eric Clapton won Record and Song of the Year for Change the World, and Leanne Rimes won Best New Artist. They don't call them the Granny Awards for nothing, you know. At the American Music Awards, Eric Clapton, Hootie and the Blowfish, and Alanis Morissette were the big winners. At the Billboard Music Awards, Alanis Morissette won Artist of the Year. At the MTV Video Music Awards, Tonight Tonight, the Smashing Pumpkins video ode to Busby Berkeley, won Video of the Year. Tony Rich, Tony Braxton, and Tupac were the big winners at the Soul Train Music Awards, as they were only allowing people with the first letter T in their names to win any awards that year. Just kidding. Meanwhile... Reba McIntyre and Garth Brooks won the music categories at the People's Choice Awards. At the Eurovision Singing Contest, which was held in Oslo, Norway, Ireland won for the song The Voice. Brooks and Dunn won Entertainer of the Year at the Country Music Association Awards, and Garth Brooks won Entertainer of the Year at the Academy of Country Music Awards. The Manic Street Preachers won Best British Album for Everything Must Go, and the Spice Girls won Best Song for Wannabe at the Brit Awards. The Tragically Hip won Best Album for Trouble at the Hen House, while Alanis Morissette won Best Song for Ironic at the Juno Awards. The group UMI won Album of the Year for Hourly Daily, And Nick Cave and Kylie Minogue won Single of the Year for Where the Wild Roses Grow at the ARIA Music Awards. At the Tony Awards, Rent won Best Musical and The King and I won Best Revival of a Musical. Musically, at the Academy Awards, Gabriel Yared won Best Film Score for The English Patient, while You Must Love Me from the movie Evita won Best Song. The Pulitzer Prize for music was won by George Walker for Lilacs for Soprano and Orchestra, and Pulp won the Mercury Music Prize for the album Different Class. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony was held on January 17th at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel in New York City. Of the artists who were being inducted, David Bowie, Roger Waters, and Sid Barrett from Pink Floyd and Grace Slick from Jefferson Airplane all did not show up. At the ceremony, the hall inducted rock and roll disc jockey Tom Big Daddy Donahue into the non-performers category. Pete Seeger was inducted into the early influencers category. And in the performers category, the hall inducted Jefferson Airplane, Gladys Knight and the Pips, Pink Floyd, The Shirelles, The Velvet Underground, David Bowie, and this next artist. Little Willie John was born on November 15, 1937 in Cullendale, Arkansas. His family moved to Detroit, Michigan when he was four years old. When he was a kid, he and his siblings formed a gospel group called the United Four and performed in talent shows. And during one talent show, the group caught the attention of singer Johnny Otis, who brought them to producer Henry Glover. 
Glover liked Willie's singing so much that he signed Willie and only Willie to a record deal with King Records in 1955. King Records also gave him the nickname Little Willie because, well, he was short. From the very beginning, Willie had hits. His first single, All Around the World, went top five on Billboard's R&B chart. He started rolling off hits like Need Your Love So Bad, Talk To Me, I'm Shaking, Sleep, and Fever, which singer Peggy Lee, by the way, made even more famous a couple of years later after John's original version. During that run, Little Willie hit Billboard's charts 14 times, and also during that run, Little Willie used his celebrity platform to become involved in the civil rights movement at the time. So, with all this success going for him, what went wrong? Well, Willie had issues with drugs and alcohol. He also got angry a lot and very quickly. Even though he had a great career going, he got involved in crimes such as larceny and swindling, all of which he kept getting arrested for because he really wasn't good at hiding anything. King Records finally had enough of his drama and dropped him from their label in 1963. And then things got worse. Much, much worse. In 1964, Willie was arrested and charged with the stabbing death of a man named Kendall Roundtree in Seattle, Washington. In 1965, he was sentenced to prison there. While he appealed his sentence, he was allowed out of prison to record another album, which didn't actually come out for another 40 years due to contract issues. Willie eventually lost the appeal of his sentence and was put back in prison, where he passed away on May 26, 1968, either from pneumonia or a heart attack, depending on whose story you go with. What makes Little Willie John worthy of being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was his influence in the birth of soul music. Even James Brown opened for Willie during James's early days, and Willie also had an amazing run on both the R&B and the pop charts. Between 1955 until his death in 1968, Willie released 52 songs. His heyday on the charts was from 1958 to 1961, when he had 17 songs hit no lower than number 25 on the R&B chart, with Fever hitting number one, and 14 songs hitting the pop chart, with Sleep being his most successful on the pop chart, topping out at number 13. What might have been for a man of such amazing talent, who had a meteoric rise and a very very hard fall. Presented for induction by 1989 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee Stevie Wonder, Little Willie John inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame class of 1996, and we have some of his music on this week's podcast music playlist, the link to which is in the show notes. Before we go any further, we'd like to tell you about our other podcast, the Music History Today podcast, where we go over the events, music releases, births, and passings for that day in music history. 
The Music History Today podcast drops each and every day, including on the weekends, on this channel, the Music History Today Network, and also on our Music History Today Network YouTube page. Now, back to the Music Halls of Fame podcast. This week, we're going to make the case for putting the R&B group Cool in the Gang into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. As we do every time, to the tale of the tape we go. Cool in the Gang released 26 studio albums, 4 live albums, and 19 compilation albums. Of those, 20 went top 40 across the American music charts, including 12 going top 10, and 2 of those going to number 1. Those two being 1979's Ladies' Night and 1981's Something Special. The group also released 68 singles. Of those, 52 of them hit the top 40 on the various American charts, with 25 of those hitting the top 10 and 6 of those hitting number 1. They've sold almost 8 million albums and 5 million singles in America and 70 million records worldwide, and their songs still get played ad nauseum on radio stations and sports stadiums to this very day, especially the huge hit Celebration. As far as their influence goes, it was pretty much every single R&B group of the 1970s and early 80s, including the Commodores, who we're going to weave back into this whole thing in just a minute. Cool and the Gang were one of the few groups to become big on the R&B, pop, and adult contemporary charts in the 1970s and 80s, especially once they changed their sound to a more mainstream, pop-oriented sound with ballads like Cherish much like Lionel Richie and the Commodores did back in the same time period when they put out songs like Three Times a Lady. See, told you the Commodores would pop back in. What people tend to forget about Cool and the Gang is that they actually started out making hits way back in 1969 and started off as a funk band. They had funk hits like Funky Stuff, Jungle Boogie, and Hollywood Swinging. And as much as their pop songs like Cherish, Fresh, and Celebration became smash hits, with Celebration being inducted into various halls of fame, including the Library of Congress National Recording Registry, it's been hip-hop and other pop culture who have been extremely influenced by the group. For instance, Jungle Boogie was one of the more memorable songs that was used in the movie Pulp Fiction. Hollywood Swinging has been sampled in hip-hop so many times that you forget that Cool and the Gang actually did the original version of the song, as its famous horn opening and beats have been used in songs like Mace's hit song Feels So Good, which also, by the way, included a lyrical sample from Gloria Stefan and Miami Sound Machine's hit Bad Boy. As far as whether Cool and the Gang will get into the Hall of Fame, the answer is they'd better, and it better happen soon. After all, the Hall put the spinners in, and Cool and the Gang have a much stronger case for induction than they do. As far as whether Cool and the Gang deserve to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the answer again is yes. There have been plenty of R&B groups who have made it in, from Earth, Wind & Fire to Parliament Funkadelic, so the precedence has always been set. Like I said before, the spinners are in, and if they're in, 
then there's absolutely no reason why Cool and the Gang shouldn't be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And to prove it, we are going to also put their music onto this week's podcast playlist. The link, as I said earlier, is in the show notes. The Arts Center of Melbourne is a performing arts complex in the Melbourne Arts Precinct in Southbank, which is a suburb of Melbourne in Victoria, Australia. The center was constructed starting in 1973 and completed in 1984 when it fully opened. The center has a bunch of theaters and galleries and is noted for having not only the usual highbrow concerts and ballets from classical and jazz artists, but also for having roller skating, a circus, and a movie theater. In the complex lies an exhibit for the ARIA Hall of Fame. ARIA, or Australian Recording Industry Association, is the Australian lobbying group for their music industry. They put on the ARIA Music Awards, which is their version of the Grammy Awards. They also induct people into their Music Hall of Fame, simply called the ARIA Hall of Fame, because, you know, sometimes a simple name is a good name. The induction started in 1988 and have been going on ever since, except for 2000 when no one was actually inducted. The number of annual inductees varies from year to year. For the last few years, only one act per year has been inducted. Go to artscentermelbourne.com.au for more information on when the organization does their yearly exhibit and what times of operations they actually are. Spelling out the website, it is A-R-T-S-C-E-N-T-R-E-M-E-L-B-O-U-R-N-E dot C-O-M dot A-U. As always, in the age of COVID, check to see what the health regulations are, especially since Australia took COVID lockdowns extremely seriously and have just recently opened back up again. Now, let's go back to the ARIA class of 2001. That year, there were actually two groups that were inducted. The first were known as the Saints. The second was this next group. During the early 1980s, NXS was actually considered a college band, which was what alternative music was called back then. The group was founded by the Ferris Brothers, keyboardist Andrew Ferris, drummer John Ferris, and guitarist Tim Ferris. Bassist Gary Gary Beers, guitarist and saxophonist Kirk Pengilly, rounded out the band, all topped off by one of the most underrated singers of all time, Michael Hutchins. That man didn't simply sing the words. He massaged the hell out of every single syllable. Plus, he was the absolute perfect frontman. Their first two albums were quirky and different, but popular in Australia and actually gave them the alternative music tag. By the time their third album, Shabu Shaba, came around, they had found their signature sound of power pop with strange chords thrown in sometimes, just for good measure. That album, which was their first to get a worldwide release, had the hits Don't Change and One Thing. They followed that up with a tour of the United States, including a now-legendary performance at the US Festival. 
The album The Swing was released next with hits I Send a Message, Original Sin, Dancing on the Jetty, and Melting in the Sun. Listen Like Thieves came after that. That album had the hits What You Need, Listen Like Thieves, Shine Like It Does, Good and Bad Times, and This Time. Hutchins, at that point, also recorded a couple of songs with Jimmy Barnes of Cold Chisel that appeared on the Lost Boys movie soundtrack. All of this was a warm-up for what became the album that turned them into megastars, Kick. That album became their biggest selling album, selling over 20 million claimed sales copies worldwide and had the mega hits Need You Tonight and Mediate, Devil Inside, New Sensation, and Never Tear Us Apart. The album 10, represented by the Roman numeral X to signify 10 years since their debut album, came out in 1990. That album did pretty well with the hits Suicide Blonde and Disappear. They released their live collection, Live Baby Live, after their tour. Welcome to Whenever You Are in 1992 marked a change in sound for the band as alternative and grunge took over the musical landscape. And while the band had the hits Heaven Sent, Baby Don't Cry, and Not Enough Time, the album didn't do as well as the others due to the changing landscape of the musical realm at that point. 1997's Elegantly Wasted didn't do well in the United States, even though the title track did marginally well. The album also ended up being their last album, unfortunately, with Michael Hutchins. Michael had a bit of a tabloid life due to the women who he dated, including singer Kylie Minogue and model Helena Christensen. It was during his relationship with Christensen that Hutchins got into a fight with a taxi driver in Copenhagen. During the fight, Michael's head hit the ground, leaving him with a fractured skull and permanent brain damage unbeknownst to a lot of people. The brain damage led to bouts of depression and mood swings. Add to that, he had an affair with Paula Yates, who was married at the time to singer and activist Bob Geldof. Yates gave birth to Michael's child, Tiger Lily. However, due to the very bitter child custody procedure during Bob and Paula's divorce, Michael couldn't see his own daughter, who was with Paula in England while Michael was in Australia. In one night, after a phone call argument between himself and Bob Geldof, and apparently distraught over the fact that he couldn't persuade Bob to allow his daughter to see him, Michael committed suicide on November 22nd, 1997. Michael Hutchins was 37 years old. After losing their lead singer, the band tried a few different lead singers, including finding one on their reality TV show, before finally retiring the band. As far as NXS's influence goes, they definitely helped a number of Australian bands, including the group The Models. In fact, they are the third biggest-selling Australian act in America, right behind ACDC and the Bee Gees, with 15 million certified albums sold in America, with the album Kick being, of course, their biggest seller. During their run, NXS released 12 studio albums, 4 live albums, 5 EPs, and 12 compilation albums. Of those, five hit the top 40 in America, with Kick getting to number three and 1990's X hitting number five. 
In Australia, 18 hit their top 40, with 12 of those 18 hitting the top 10, including 5 at number 1. They also released 71 singles. Of those, 24 went top 40 on the American charts, with 16 of those 24 going top 10, including 1987's Need You Tonight and 1990's Suicide Blonde, which both went to number 1, all along with their hit song with Jimmy Barnes, Good Times, from the iconic 80s movie soundtrack to the movie The Lost Boys. In Australia, 37 songs went top 40, with 11 of those 37 going top 10, including their only number one in Australia, 1984's Original Sin. The group was nominated for three Grammy Awards, winning none of those, and 11 MTV Video Music Awards, winning six of those. They were also nominated for 17 ARIA Awards, winning six of those. The band In Excess inducted into the Australian Music Hall of Fame in 2001. And, of course, we're going to put their music onto this week's podcast music playlist. The link, as I've said numerous times already, is in the show notes. The Music Halls of Fame podcast is part of the Music History Today network, which can be found under Music History Today on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts from, and also on our YouTube page under Music History Today. Thank you very much for listening.